You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A teenager is in serious condition tonight in hospital with a gunshot wound. The incident first thought to have been a possible case of road rage, but RCMP have since ruled that out. Jill Bennett has more on this, and Jill, police believe this was targeted, but not gang-related. The investigation is still very active. RCMP say the teenaged victim of this shooting was targeted, but at this point, it's unclear why. A heavy RCMP presence outside a Surrey townhouse complex after people living here heard gunshots and screeching car tires around 11 p.m. Wednesday night. I was sleeping. My children were also sleeping. So I heard a, a shot. So I immediately came down, but I didn't notice. I saw only cars uh, uh, scratching. and All we pretty much heard was two like cars ra like racing. Broken glass still on the ground inside the complex shows where the two vehicles came to stop and where the shooting occurred. Investigators learned that a light-colored Jeep Wrangler drove into the complex and into a to gray Toyota Sienna. After that, the driver of the Jeep Wrangler got out and shot into the Toyota Sienna. Both vehicles fled from that area. A short time later, the Sienna arrived at Surrey Memorial Hospital, where the 17-year-old passenger was treated for a gunshot wound. He was then transferred to Royal Columbian Hospital in serious condition. A man who didn't want to give his name, but says he's the victim's cousin, says he thinks it was a case of mistaken identity. Just, he's a good kid. He has no problems with anybody. And he's into music and no criminal activity, nothing. So I just, I, I feel for him and his family right now. Police say this wasn't a random crime, but it's unclear if the victim and the shooter knew each other. It was a targeted, isolated incident and early indications. Uh, investigators believe that this is not related to the lower mainland gang conflict or drug issues. The victim is expected to make a full recovery. As for the suspect vehicle, that Jeep Wrangler that took off from the scene, it was actually located a short time later by Metro Vancouver Transit Police. The 32-year-old driver was arrested and taken into police custody. Chris? All right, Jill, thank you. The Prime Minister in the hot seat at his first town hall of the year Frustrations around Indigenous rights and pipelines boiling over. About a thousand people attended that meeting, and as you saw, many voiced strong opinions. Before that, two men were arrested during protests outside a fundraiser for the PM at the Coast Hotel in Kamloops. Today, RCMP say one of the men could be facing criminal charges, while the other was released without charge. Proved to be a long 24 hours for the PM. Our Sarah McDonald takes a look at Trudeau's tumultuous West Coast visit and where he goes from here. Finally, a public appearance that unfolded without resistance for the Prime Minister Thursday. There we go. Walking into a far more receptive crowd at the same university in Kamloops where he found himself expectedly in the hot seat just 12 hours earlier. Justin Trudeau kicking off his so-called outreach tour on the West Coast Wednesday. A turbulent 24 hours 
first that started with protests. Justin Trudeau's got to go! Hey, hey! And ended equally combative. Trudeau fielding pointed questions from constituents, local Indigenous members okay. coming out firing over pipelines and consent on First Nations lands. Others in the crowd lobbing the Prime Minister political hot potatoes from his relationship with his American counterpart. From all of us, just push him off a cliff, we're good. To his ownership, if any, of a tragedy that's been politicized. The 2017 murder of Marissa Shen allegedly at the hands of a Syrian national seeking refuge in Canada. What, in your opinion, is the acceptable number of Canadian lives lost as a result of your policies on refugees? Any violent crime, any violent murder is uh, a terrible tragedy and we have a judicial system and we have uh, a process through which to go there. Trudeau deflecting and diffusing controversy at nearly every turn as political discourse becomes increasingly divisive. Canada is a country in which we encourage people uh, to uh, speak out and express their views. This key battleground for the Liberals in an election year, largely for now, a thorn in the party's side. And the discourse and debate is far from over. Trudeau is now taking his town hall tour to provinces further east in what he's calling an important exercise in democracy, certainly one of free speech, 10 months before Canadians cast their ballots. Sarah McDonald, Global News, Kamloops. Well, Keith Baldry is live in Victoria right now. Keith, some say this is the unofficial start of the federal election campaign. So let's break down the B.C. ridings, the, the ones maybe that Pierre, or Pierre <laughs> Justin Trudeau may have to worry about. Yeah. That's not, you're not the first one to stumble over that name, right. Chris, I can tell you. I've done it myself. Uh, yeah, I want to remind people just what happened in the 2015 election and remind that, uh, for now anyways, B.C. is very much uh, Justin Trudeau's province to lose because he remains popular in this, in this province. And again, look at the Trudeau mania that took effect back in 2015. Metro Vancouver, a sea of liberal red. 16 of his 17 writings were won in Metro. In fact, he's picked up one since then in South Syria in a by-election. And it's not just that he's won writings, it's, it's the, how he's actually won them by big margins. So first of all, 11 ridings were picked up by margins of more than 10%. The gap was significant between the Liberals and their nearest opponent. Three of them were also won by more than 5%. That's considered basically 14 uh, potentially safe ridings for him. And only three ridings, Chris, were decided by less than uh, three points or less. And those are the ones in the eastern Fraser Valley. So I think what's helping, uh, going to help Justin Trudeau in the upcoming campaign is the sort of the weakness of his opposition. Jagmeet Singh of the NDP doesn't have very good numbers at all in polling. His uh, fortunes seem to be more abundant. And Andrew Scheer really hasn't connected with people in terms of boosting his profile uh, as well. So again, this BC remains Justin Trudeau's province to lose when it comes to writings come the next vote. Chris? Well, all right, we'll see what happens then. Thanks very much, Keith. Meantime, First Nations protesters arrested earlier this week are now reuniting with their families. Both blockades against the coastal gas link project are now down and pre-construction crews are being allowed access again. John Waugh has more on what those released are saying about their intentions going forward. It was a heartwarming moment amidst what Molly Wickham called a horrifying ordeal. Everybody's dealing with the outfall of the arrest and the um, events that happened, so people aren't sleeping well. Wickham among the 13 who were arrested at the Gidamden checkpoint and taken to Prince George to appear in court. Now released, the group is seeking medical attention before heading back to the camp. I've seen the RCMP almost rip um, 
people's limbs off that were attached to the gate. Luckily the gate gave way around the device before my arm broke, but uh, I saw a paramedic and I was told that there could be some fractures in my hand or something. The Wet'suwet'en Hereditary Chiefs reaching a deal with the RCMP, allowing coastal gas link crews access across the bridge to the work site. In exchange, police are to leave the Unistodan healing camp intact and undisturbed. Because of the events that happened at Ginnamden checkpoint, they're very concerned with the safety of the people. As hereditary chiefs, they're not only responsible for the land, they're responsible for the people. In a statement, the RCMP writes the situation was challenging for our members and despite their best efforts to resolve the situation peacefully, arrests did take place. I do know that the actions of our officers were well documented through multiple video sources. We ourselves have seen traditional and social media coverage of the incident, which clearly opposes some allegations made. We do have one person who is not able to come with us because of the trauma that they experienced and is seeking um, additional services and uh, support here in Prince George. The rest will return to the camp, now officially to be referred to as the Unistotin Healing Centre. And while a deal may have been struck, they insist the battle is far from over. They can throw us in jail. They can try to make agreements. No pipelines will cross with Suedan territories. John Hua, Global News. Convicted child killer Alan Schoenborn appeared in front of the B.C. Review Board today. Schoenborn was convicted of killing his three children in Merritt in 2008, although was found not criminally responsible in 2010. He's currently being held at the Forensic Psychiatric Hospital in Coquitlam and is allowed escorted visits into the community. Today, his lawyer was arguing for additional freedoms, but Schoenborn's own doctor doesn't believe that's a good idea. He still has anger issues and there would be concerns for public safety and Schoenborn's own safety as well, since he has been the target of a murder plot and violently assaulted in the past. You know, I hear, feel really hopeful at one moment, then I feel a little down the next moment, then I feel really hopeful and then I feel a little down. I'd like to, uh, you know, I'm glad that he's getting some progress in his uh, help for to get better and stuff like that. But I'm also hopeful that he'll stay locked up for at least another year. Um, if he's having troubles in there with only a handful of select people, I think he's going to have really big issues and really hard problems to deal with when he gets out into the actual public. The review board was supposed to wrap up at 4 o'clock today. They're still talking right now, so we'll bring you the very latest as soon as we learn it. Now, a show-and-tell by Richmond RCMP today involving a cache of stolen luxury items, and shockingly, all of them linked back to one suspect. Take a look. Jimmy Choo's shoes, high-end handbags and watches, and everything in between. Jewelry, musical instruments, even power tools. RCMP believe the items, more than a 1,000 of them, were destined for resale. I don't think we've ever come across this sheer volume of, of items, at least linked to uh, one individual. We are looking at uh, rough estimates of, of well over 800,000. 42-year-old Aaron James Young of Richmond is facing 15 charges. In connection with all of those thefts, he remains in custody. Some criticism today for sky-high property assessment jumps in Burnaby, forcing some businesses to consider closing up shop. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the Burnaby Board of Trade is encouraging the city and the province to do more to protect industrial land and save local businesses and jobs. 
a difficult start to the new year for 125 people who work at a Burnaby tile factory. The owner telling the employees he may have to close the doors. The decision forced on him by an enormous surge in the value of the land under the factory and what could be a tax bill in July that's triple what he pays now. I, got, I, I can't hold back and say everything's great, don't worry, it's not true. Commercial property taxes have been a focus of city governments around the region. Developers looking to take advantage of recently upzone land have forced some business owners to the brink. The land under Interstyle Ceramics and Glass is now worth $44 million. The Burnaby Board of Trade says it is concerning how quickly land values have escalated. The crux of what's happening here is, is people are being taxed not necessarily on how they currently use the properties they own, but how they could potentially use the properties they own. Recently, the BC government made moves to protect businesses from what's known as highest and best use. The NDP will value class four industrial land at its current use, but that only protects major industries. Small and medium-sized businesses are still under review. We can't allow a situation to continue where businesses can't operate purely because an assessment is causing their taxation to be too high. If we keep allowing land, both for residential purposes, industrial, commercial purposes, to be used as an investment tool, this is the result. There are no plans to upzone the land, but it doesn't seem to matter. The city of Burnaby will reap a huge windfall in property taxes, but lose out on all the economic activity generated here if the plant goes dark. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Right now, though, a Sunshine Coast Conservation Group is reeling tonight from a case of vandalism at a salmon hatchery. 700,000 young fish were killed. As Catherine Urquhart reports, they say the effects could be felt for years to come. At the Duck Lake Hatchery, volunteers with the Powell River Salmon Society work countless hours to conserve BC's chum salmon. Those volunteers now devastated following the deaths of 700,000 fish. It's taken me more than a week to get over it uh, or get to this point. It's upsetting that somebody would uh, think so little of uh, the work that you're doing to enhance salmon in Powell River that they would tamper with our equipment. It's believed vandals came onto the property sometime between December 28th and the 31st. Powell River RCMP are investigating. We've uh, seized some evidence uh, from the scene as well as spoken to a possible witness and we're following up on those leads. The fish died from lack of oxygen after someone tampered with the equipment. And adjusted the flow valves on nine of our holding tanks for chum salmon and adjusted uh, the the downpipes that drained the tanks as well on nine of the tanks and it resulted in the death of about 700,000 chum salmon. And so four years from now we can expect fewer chum into the river and we don't know how many fewer until four years from now. The hatchery is now working to increase its security. Anyone with information about the vandalism at the Duck Lake Hatchery is urged to contact Powell River RCMP. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The federal government is injecting more than $12 million into research and protection for BC's southern resident killer whale population. The announcement made today during the opening of a new research center at the University of Victoria. The research will monitor the conditions affecting endangered orcas, focusing on one problem in particular. So it's about 
noise, measuring noise and allowing us to get a better sense of how noise is affecting the whales, but also to enable efforts to try to ensure that we're informing the way that we manage traffic in the ocean so that we are actually avoiding um, the areas where whales are, are normally present. We've all seen them, those pop-up ads on social media sites offering free trials of products often endorsed by celebrities. Well, our Consumer Matters reporter Andrew is here to tell us how those free trials can end up costing hundreds of dollars. That's not free. No, hardly free and often a total scam. Right. <laughs> Thanks for that, Chris. The Better Business Bureau says over the last three years, at least 37,000 people have been scammed by free trial offers. It just completed an in-depth study looking into this very issue and discovered that many of these free samples you see on social media sites, from skin creams to weight loss remedies, are anything but free. The study revealed that many free trial offers come with fine print buried on the order page that states by accepting the offer, you're signing up for monthly shipments of the products and the appropriate fees will be charged to your credit card. Customers then find it very difficult or even impossible to contact the seller to stop payments or demand a refund. The study also showed that many of the celebrity endorsements in these ads are fake. Often celebrities' names are used without their knowledge or permission. And the problem, well, it's getting worse. A 2017 study by the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre found that the credit card transactions at the centre of these scams were processed through banks in 14 countries. The Better Business Bureau is calling on the credit card company companies to do more for consumers. We think they could do more for the victims as well in terms of, you know, a greater sense of assistance um, in, in helping them to get chargebacks. It is a global problem because when we did our investigations at the BBB, we realized that the their operations are everywhere. So the fulfillment centers are in one country. The products are being shipped from another country. The, the, the customer relations is in another country. So it's very diverse. So what we've recommended is that there be almost a collaboration of law enforcement across the globe because it's going to take that kind of effort to put a stop to it. So how do you protect yourself? Well, beware of the term risk-free. Read reviews, make sure you can find the terms and conditions and read them. If you can't find them, simply walk away. Make sure the company has a physical address and not just a P.O. box. And if you are a victim of fraud, you can file a report with the Better Business Bureau and call the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. And if you have consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters.globalnews.ca. All right, good stuff. Thanks very much, Anne. Rough weather leads to major losses at a project to upgrade Victoria's cruise ship terminal. Two massive steel pilings worth three to four million dollars ended up on the ocean floor. They were being shipped from Shanghai to Victoria when rough weather caused them to topple off the cargo ship. The piles were meant to extend Pier B at Ogden Point, allowing it to accommodate much bigger cruise ships. Oh, I thought someone was pulling, uh, pulling my leg on this, but no, it, it turned out to be a very uh, real situation. And as I said, very unfortunate. It's uh, caused the team a lot of extra work, uh, a lot of people working over the holidays to work on the backup plan. Fortunately, we did have a contingency plan in place and we're moving on on that right now. The additional costs will be passed along to the cruise lines, which in turn charge the passengers. It'll take the Harbour Authority about a year longer to pay the money back. Dozens of U.S. Border Protection officers in full riot gear assemble at the San Ysidro border crossing. It's a security exercise. It only lasted about 10 minutes, temporarily closing off all lanes and delaying traffic. 
San Ysidro connects Tijuana and San Diego, and it's the southern border's busiest crossing, with over 100,000 people entering the U.S. every day. Donald Trump also traveled to the border today to continue his push for the controversial wall. He's once again threatening to declare a national emergency to get it built and insisting Mexico will, indirectly at least, pay for it. From President Trump tonight, a show and tell aimed at creating urgency to get his long-promised border barrier built. They need a barrier. They need a wall. If you don't have it, it's going to be nothing but hard work and grueling problems. And by the way, and death. And death. A lot of death. Praising those on the front lines. They have done a fantastic job. Never so many apprehensions ever in our history. In fact, nationwide apprehensions are way down from their peak in the early 2000s. And about that We're signature campaign promise. Who's going to pay for the wall? When I say Mexico's going to pay for the wall, do you think they're going to write a check for 20 billion or 10 billion or 5 billion or 2 cents? No, they're paying for the wall in a great trade deal. But in this 2016 memo, Canada Trump said he'd compel Mexico to make a one-time payment of 5 to 10 billion dollars to the US for the wall. They'll pay. They'll pay in one form or another. They may even write us a check. The president today putting the focus not on federal workers who won't get a paycheck tomorrow, but on families whose loved ones were killed by undocumented immigrants. What my family's going through right now, I do not want any other family, law enforcement person to go through that. President Trump warning if the stalemate sticks, he'll declare a national emergency. If this doesn't work out, probably I will do it. I would almost say definitely. Tonight, the president perhaps signaling a longer shutdown, canceling his trip to Davos, Switzerland, still more than 10 days away. Peter Alexander, NBC News, McAllen, Texas. Four men went on trial in Germany today for stealing a Canadian coin, but not just any coin. They're accused of stealing the 100-kilogram coin known as the Big Maple Leaf from Berlin's Boda Museum in 2017. Police have security video of the suspects entering the museum before it closed and say they were helped by one of the museum's guards. Prosecutors say they broke through a window and used a ladder, a wheelbarrow and a rope to get the coin from its bulletproof glass case. The coin had a face value of a million dollars, but is thought to be worth four times as much. Sadly, police believe it was quickly melted down after the theft. A bus driver in Wisconsin is being hailed a hero tonight for rescuing a toddler found wandering in the cold. The one-year-old boy walking alone on a freeway overpass, barefoot and wearing only a onesie and a diaper. Bus driver Irina Ivich keeps her eyes peeled at all times, never expecting to see this. A barefoot toddler wandering all alone on a cold Milwaukee bridge. Stunned, she stopped the bus and raced across the street to get the child. Oh my Irina brought the frightened little girl onto the bus, holding her tight. The baby was so scared and cried. Today, honored for her service, not the first rescue. Milwaukee bus drivers have found nine lost kids over the years. Authorities say the toddler's mother left her outside intentionally. She was later turned over to her dad. If I find myself in the same situation, I will, of course, again help, always. A pickup of a lifetime, driving compassion home. Ron Mott, NBC News. In Health Matters tonight, an unusual twist in the latest warning from health officials about the flu. They say this season's bug isn't hitting seniors hardest, but children and young adults. Linda Aylesworth explains why. 
That cases of influenza have ramped up over the last few weeks was not unexpected at the BC Centre for Disease Control. We did have that expected increase into the holiday period. We may have peaked here in BC, CD, uh, BC and we may be actually turning the corner. There is one surprise, however, the kind of virus they're seeing most. H1N1 is dominating this year, whereas last year there was a combination of H3N2 and influenza B. H3N2, the influenza virus most common over the last few years, is known for striking the elderly the hardest. But this year's dominant strain, H1N1, targets a different demographic. During H1N1 seasons, we expect there to be uh, more children and more non-elderly adults. So we're definitely seeing a younger um, group of people that are actually getting seriously ill and having to go to hospital. Having said that, otherwise healthy young people usually fully recover from H1N1. But remember, there's always a proportion, uh, especially those with underlying medical conditions that may have serious outcomes. Especially conditions like heart and lung disease. There are things you can do to reduce the risk. Uh, preventative measures such as good hand washing, staying home when you're ill, and those sorts of things is really important right now. And there are vaccines. This season's is well matched for the viruses we're seeing and seems to be providing good protection. Advice for those who chose not to get vaccinated? Still several more weeks of heightened activity and for those with high-risk conditions, uh, especially uh, children and non-elderly adults, if you haven't got your vaccine, it's not too late, but it's getting there. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. A new study says poor sleep may be an early sign of Alzheimer's disease. American researchers found that older adults who got less deep sleep had more of the brain proteins that are linked to Alzheimer's. They say the total amount of sleep did not play a factor in cognitive decline, only the quality of the sleep. They say poor sleep among older adults could be a warning sign of declining brain health. A Delta police officer is less than an hour away from in support of a local brain cancer patient. Constable Kelly Sieb began her marathon swim at 7 o'clock this morning. She's raising money for Tashina Janis, who was diagnosed with brain cancer two years ago. Her family is fundraising for her to travel to the U.S. for immunotherapy treatment. Sieb says this is her way of giving back. Hard to put into words that what I can come up with that giving back to not only to Sheena and her sister, but to our community who's so good to us and help inspire the kids you see behind me in the pool. Swimming has been my whole life and I know what these kids doing. Like it's, it's just so much for me to try to give something positive back and kindness has its turnarounds and rewards. A happy ending to the story of a very large pet that was looking for a forever home. Theodore has been a beloved resident of the Langley Rescue Society since he was found wandering down Fraser Highway last summer. His owners didn't want him back. And the 800-pound Yorkshire pig wasn't easy to adopt out. But he's now going to the Home for Hooves Farm Sanctuary in Duncan. And he'll have a girlfriend when he gets there. Another rescued Yorkshire pig named Lillian. Staff say it's a match made in heaven. And it's in the record books as the world's steepest residential street. But could it lose that title?
That's coming up right after the forecast with Christy. We'll check in with her. Mm-hmm. Been pretty mild down here. There are a lot of other areas in the province that have experienced winter, though. And is it going to get mild for them, too? Yeah, big changes in store for everyone. We saw the change here across the south coast today. Uh, 10 degrees. In fact, Abbotsford hit 12.6. And they were the hot spot across Canada today. But I want to take you back just two days ago. These were our daytime highs in through the north. They had wind chills close to minus 40. And we had a ton of snow even across the south coast uh, so we've got lots of images still coming in this west of uh, Revelstoke lots of uh, shutdowns of the highways um, Revelstoke area has seen close to 30 centimeters just in the last two days up and through the far north look at this uh, feather-like uh, crystals or frost on the windshield, thanks to Claudette and Terry for that one. And check this one out. The water inside a railing being pushed out because it's expanding as it's so cold. And it almost looks like an old telephone uh, coil there, doesn't it? Telephone wire. Amazing, exactly. So great images coming in. And Prince George has about 42 centimeters of snow on the ground. They're still digging out. So yes, it has been winter, but we are headed for spring, everyone. Only for a period of time of course but look at these temperatures you can expect for tomorrow so Prince George five degrees you're not going to see a significant melt but it will sure be nice so two next two days Friday and Saturday a bit of transition days but by Sunday a blocking ridge takes hold and we're going to see that ridge right through until Wednesday everyone terrific conditions but in the meantime yes we are going to see wet weather northern Vancouver Island right into the north coast again two days of this transition before that ridge takes takes hold. There's that rainfall for the North Coast. Smithers, still a little bit of snow for you, but starting to build that ridge in through southern areas and sunshine for you. You'll see that through the weekend. Southern regions of the South Coast also dry tomorrow. Double digits again. We're going to cool off as that sun begins to build, but we'll take it, won't we? To be able to enjoy a little bit of sunshine. And I will leave you with one last image from Prince George. A great shot of a moose there. Thanks to Pat for that one. Great shot. Okay, thank you very much, Christy. A major tourist attraction in New Zealand might be about to take a big hit from the other side of the world. Releasing thousands of round chocolates from the top of Baldwin Street is one of the events that attracts tens of thousands to Dunedin to see what Guinness Records calls the world's steepest residential street. At its steepest point, Baldwin has a 35% grade, but... Residents in the small Welsh town of Harlech say one of their streets, named Fourth Pen Cleck, is one degree steeper, and they've hired independent surveyors to prove it. Guinness is expected to make its official decision in a few weeks. Wow. Everybody who lives on that street probably has great calves. Yeah. <laughs> hey, has very good calves. You see yeah. that guy doing the, using the pogo stick? Yeah. yeah. See? Wow. Just before we get to Squire, how about this? The Vatican is venturing into new territory, the world of sports, launching its own official track team. About 60 runners are part of the Vatican Athletics team, including Swiss guards, priests, nuns, even pharmacists. Thanks to an agreement with the Italian Olympic Committee, the team will compete in international events that have a cultural or symbolic value. Cool uniforms. Yes, actually, they are good uniforms. Not bad, right? Okay. So the Canucks, mm-hmm. back in action tonight. Uh, and this actually is the easiest part of their schedule. Their next six games are all at home. 
They are spread out over two weeks, so lots of time off between games. And, of course, and after that, they'll have the All-Star break. So tonight, they're up against Arizona. Now, they don't have Elias Patterson, of course. We already knew that. Although, I should mention, he did not skate today. He will likely skate tomorrow. But this stretch, even without Patterson, should help the Canucks bounce back from those back-to-back shutouts at the end of their recent road trip. Went wide of the net. Coming off a listless 5-0 loss against the Leafs and with Elias Pettersson out of the lineup, it certainly feels like the Canucks are in a tailspin, but if you take away the last two games of their road trip, Vancouver is actually on a sparkling 9-3-1 run, one of the best in the West. They've had a few days off and are refreshed and ready to begin their six-game homestand tonight. I think we're a team that plays off of energy, so uh, you know it definitely gets our energy levels back to where it was at the start of the year, uh, especially after a long road trip there, and also mentally uh, gets you, uh, you know, kind of re- restart. I mean, it's a nice little fresh break, and uh, we're ready to go tonight. Blake Wheeler goes across, Buffalo back, scores. The Canucks are just nine nine and one on home ice, but they do play their next six at Rogers Arena against very beatable opponents. If they do have designs on competing for a playoff spot the rest of the way, they've got to take charge in their home rink. I think you got to initiate. You know, you got to go after teams. Um, you know, sometimes on the road, as much as you don't, you know, want it to happen, a lot of times. Um, you know, you kind of almost sit there and wait the first five, ten minutes to see what the team's going to bring. Uh, starts in, in your home building are huge, and and to get to jump out and have a good start, it, it creates uh, momentum and, and gives us confidence, And uh, especially if you get that first goal at home. Um, you know, it, it gets the fans into the game and, and really uh, helps you take over. No doubt without Pedersen, the Canucks aren't nearly as dangerous offensively. They're saying the typical things, get traffic and pucks to the net, score some ugly ones, and go from there. But Travis Green emphasized getting more offense from his defense this year, and now would be a good time to pick up the slack. Again, I've said this before, you want to create offense, and a lot of it's just getting up in the rush and being an option in the rush and not necessarily even scoring. A lot of it's getting your shot through. That keeps a puck alive or pinching down and keeping a puck alive is also helping your team create offense. The Jets with their pregame ritual. Is it going to work? Well, not so much in the first two periods against Minnesota. This is Jordan Greenway's goals now, uh, well, 2-0. Now it's 3-1 actually, very late in the second period, Minnesota and Winnipeg. Well, because of chronic pain in his hip, Andy Murray says this will be his final season in professional tennis. He will play the Australian Open, and then he hopes to be able to stay healthy enough to finish his career at Wimbledon in June, a tournament he won twice in his career. Um, you know, I, I said to my team, look, I think I can kind of get through this until until Wimbledon. That is where, where I would like to... <sighs> That, that, that's where I would like to stop um, stop playing um, but I, I'm, I'm also not certain I'm able to do that I correct myself. Wimbledon's in July from the 1st to the 14th not June. Honolulu Surrey's Adam Svensson the Sony Open. That's for Eagle to take him to minus four. This is his first full year in a PGA Tour. This one 
basically the same length from Newton to Wally. <laughs> and he gets this to go. That's a birdie. Then on 12, from 85 yards out. Long way down there. You got 85 yards or so. Surrey boy making good. Hits that one tight. He'll kick that one in for Bird. On 13, another birdie. And he's now to minus eight, which gives him a share of the lead with Andrew Putnam. Good for him. Adam Hadwin plus three, Roger Sloan minus one, Nick Taylor minus one. Four BC boys in the event, but this man is tied for first right now. He's at minus eight, as we see he was minus seven. Then he got another birdie. How about that? Uh, New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton has always had unusual ways to motivate his team. One of them got him suspended for an entire year when the Saints offered money to knock opposing players out of games. In other words, injure them. He doesn't do that anymore, I hope. But yesterday, or actually on Monday, he tried to motivate the Saints for Sunday's playoff game against Philadelphia by bringing in the Vince Lombardi Trophy, which of course you get for winning the Super Bowl, and $225,000 in cash because that's the money the players get for winning the trophy. In fact, running back Mark Ingram and the Saints was so impressed that he now wants that for real. I to my house, Lombardi, the glass box of cash, my ring, all that. I want that same presentation. I don't want no direct deposits from this, you know, playoffs. I want all my cash. I'm done, you know, at the end. I want my cash coming to the crib looking just like they had it the other day. If you want the cash, Mark, you got to win three. <laughs> he win says three. he wants it in the glass box. He, wants, he doesn't want no direct box. deposit. Don't give me a check. Don't put I want to see it. Yeah. I want to hold it. Here's your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb getting another incredible 27 centimeters of fresh snow, a little warmer across the local mountains in Sasquatch. Cypress did pick up two, though. Revelstoke, seven centimeters. Fernie, 15. And Manning Park and Whitewater both getting a nice 17 centimeters of fresh snow. Big White picked up four centimeters of new snow. Silver Star and Sun Peaks, no new fresh snow, but good healthy bases. As for Kicking Horse, six centimeters fresh. Mount Washington getting an incredible 25 centimeters again and powder king 11 coming up on et canada lady gaga speaks out on the abuse allegations against r kelly plus the new controversy surrounding the golden globe winning green book that's coming up at seven right after the news hour but for now it's back to you chris all right thank you cheryl so a cutting edge space exploration facility in bc is making headlines around the world tonight for detecting something heard only once before it's the chime radio telescope near penticton and it picked up a burst of radio signals from way outside our galaxy. Jordan Armstrong reports. Okay, thanks. Bye. CBS News in Los Angeles. <laughs> Media from around the world all want to talk to Ingrid Stairs about her out-of-this-world discovery. Oh, well, we were relieved, I think, and, and very happy. Thrilled about the finding made by this, the CHIME telescope recently installed in the Okanagan. In a mere two months, CHIME has detected 13 fast radio bursts, or pulses of radio waves, coming from far outside our Milky Way galaxy. We don't know what fast radio bursts are to begin with. Um, they probably are emitted by something like a neutron star with a high magnetic field. Uh, you need, it makes a lot of energy. The goal? To learn more about these powerful signals and where they come from. One of the fast radio bursts they found flashed repeatedly, only the second ever recorded. 
So what about those last three nodes? They're still being used? It's, it's pretty cool, and I think it's pretty cool for Canada as a whole. I mean, this is really a Canadian-conceived and led telescope, and most of the collaborators are from Canada. UBC, McGill, and the University of Toronto, just to name a few. What's remarkable is they're just getting started. This discovery was made during a test run of the new telescope. Whenever you build a new instrument, there's usually a good chance for finding something you never anticipated. So, could it be something trying to make contact? Aliens, perhaps? The, the chances of having aliens in all these different places deciding to make the same kind of signals and direct them toward us, no, it's, it's just not a viable thing. You don't believe it at nope. all. <laughs> Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Amazing. And I bet she's not getting any calls about the number of papers on her desk. <laughs> but she did have a very I mean, cool space shuttle model. That's yeah. right, yeah. I was cringing. I'm a neat freak, so I'm like, yeah. oh. But still, there's a, there's a lot going on in that office. She, and in her brain, she's figured it she out. She doesn't have time to clean up. No. She's got aliens to listen to. That's right. Yeah. That's if right. they're aliens. Uh, okay, so mild across a large part of the province for the next little while. Here. Yes, over the south coast, a second day in a row of double digits potentially across the region, and then that milder air pushing into the interior regions as well tomorrow. A nice couple of days on the way. All right, thanks, Christy. Thank you for watching. Have a good night.